This is Curl Up with a Cat Tale, and I'm Gwen Cooper, the New York Times bestselling author of numerous cat-centric titles, including Homer's Odyssey, A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat, Spray Anything, More True Tales of Homer and the Gang, and The Book of Possum, Head Bonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. We're here to celebrate all things feline and to tell inspirational cat tales. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tale with Gwen Cooper. I am Gwen Cooper, your host, and delighted as always to be here with you today. Later on in today's episode, I will be answering a reader question from Jessica Wasserman. And as always, if you have a question or comment or something you'd like to say or something you'd like to hear me address in a future episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tale, Head on over to my website, GwenCooper.com. There is a contact form there that you can use to shoot me an email. There's also a comment section for this podcast. I realize there are other comment sections on places like Podbean and, and you know, iTunes and et cetera, et cetera. I, I have to be honest, there's so many different places where podcasts can be downloaded and where this podcast actually is downloaded and listened to that it's sort of impossible for me to monitor all of them and really be on top of any comments that people are leaving there. So if you have something that you would like me to address, uh, truly the best way to do so is to head on over to GwenCooper.com. There is a page on my website for this podcast, and you can leave a comment or your feedback there. I am a little bit behind on responding to comments, but I do read them all. So if, if if you want to say something horrible to me and be absolutely positive that I will actually see it, that's your best bet. Um, but hopefully you will you will not say anything horrible to me. We'll use the the comment uh, section to to say nice things or or constructive things. And I don't really know how we got off on this tangent, so I'm I'm going to get off it real quick. Um, as always, uh, or as we've been doing for the last few weeks, I'd also like to give a quick update on the situation with Cobble Small Animal Rescue. And I know that that so many of you um, have been anxiously following the situation and have been tuning in for updates and were so unbelievably generous with your support for the organization. Um, as you may remember hearing last week, the evacuation for Nowzad, which is which was another animal rescue organization started by a, a former British Marine, um, they completed their evacuation. Uh, they had already evacuated their animals and they were finally also able to evacuate their staff. Um, sadly, it continues to be the case for Cobble Small Animal Rescue that they are all still there. Although I suppose not so sadly insofar as, as Charlotte and her team are, are still rescuing animals. They continue to visit the airport every day. Some of you may remember that they were at the Kabul airport uh, during the evacuation of the U.S. military and that Charlotte uh, very upsettingly was forced w- was forced to release all of the dogs that they had rescued. So not only was she not able to evacuate with the dogs, but but she wasn't even able to take them back to the shelter with her. 
so she continues to visit the airport every day to round those dogs up and bring them back to her facility. She also continues to rescue other animals in Kabul. Uh, the plan is for everyone to eventually, including Charlotte, to eventually evacuate. She is being very vague of necessity about those plans. And that is for her own safety and for the safety of her staff and animals. And as they continue to attempt to rescue animals, both from the airport and elsewhere in Kabul, it it is just really imperative for her safety that the Taliban have as little information as possible as to what they are doing. I, I really do encourage those of you who are interested to check out their Facebook page. Head on over, if, or you can even just Google it, but go to Facebook and just do a search for Kabul Small Animal Rescue. Kabul is spelled K-A-B as in boy, U, L as in Larry. And so just do a search for Kabul Small Animal Rescue. You will find their page. If you even do a Google search like Kabul Small Animal Rescue Facebook, you can find their Facebook page. They they did have to discontinue posting updates on Twitter uh, because there are just a lot of jerks in the world who were being very disparaging for whatever reason of their efforts and the things that they're doing. But they do continue to post updates on Facebook. And and I got to tell you, man, it is, uh, you know, it, my heart is in my throat every time I go to that page to see what's going on and to see what they're doing. But by the same token, good God, if you just want to be inspired by by the sheer heroism in the face of harrowing, overwhelming circumstances, uh, you know, truly the easiest thing that Charlotte and her team are facing is the prospect of rescuing dogs who are in very bad shape with the very limited resources that they have. And and we all know that that, that is the, always the big challenge in rescue. And that is almost the, the easy part that, that Charlotte is facing in Afghanistan under Taliban rule right now as she tries to do her work and, and figure out a way for everyone to, to get safely the, the, the heck out of Afghanistan. Um, and that she does it with so much love and, and apparent uh, – good cheer, for lack of a better way of putting it, uh, in the face of these obstacles. It, it, it honestly makes <laughs> makes me ashamed of myself for everything I do in my day that, that seems frivolous by comparison, which, by the way, is pretty much everything I do in a typical day. You know, I'm sitting there, like, I'll be looking at myself in the mirror while I put on moisturizer before I go to bed at night thinking, why am I wasting my life putting on moisturizer when there are people in the world doing these amazing things that genuinely make the world a better place. Um, I don't really have a good answer for that question, by the way, except that, you know, if, if I don't keep my face moisturized, I, I tend to, to break out and it's kind of horrible. But anyway, the point being, it's amazing, amazing stuff. I, You know, I have to say that I definitely, when, when Charlotte was telling the story, um, you know, that, and again, I don't know how many of you know this or how much detail you know it in, but the reason why Charlotte ended up staying in Afghanistan you know, she was forced at, at the airport to release her dogs into the airport. So so that's where the dogs ended up. And as if, as if that were not bad enough before she, she was not allowed, would not have been allowed onto the plane unless she relinquished a puppy, a, 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 a physically disabled puppy who can't really walk, who she was holding in her arms. And, and she could not she could not let that puppy go. And, and you know, it's one of those things you, you hear about. And, and that's why she ended up staying. That's why she did not end up on the plane. And there there is part of you, of course, that that 
that just thinks you should have just gotten on that plane. You, you know, it's no, no one expects you to risk your own life every day living in this, this hellscape, basically, the way that you are. No, you have done so much already, and no one would have expected this much more of you. And yet, when you go to the Facebook page, to their Facebook page, and you see this video footage of, of this puppy who, who she brought back to the shelter after they had to leave the airport and, and has continued to work with and, and the strides, I mean, figurative and literal, you know, this is a puppy who could barely walk and who is now learning to walk even with his disability, thanks to the, the, the love and, and care that that she the puppy is a is a girl i believe her name is b that that b is receiving from charlotte and and the team at cobble small animal rescue it, it it would just break your heart and you watch that and you think to yourself through your tears i i could not have left this this creature behind i could not have left this puppy behind either um i i don't know how the story is going to end i i really don't uh but it's an amazing story, and and I am so proud and and humbled that that Homer's heroes, that all of us get to be a small part of this, and what will hopefully be a story with a happy ending. And again, I, I definitely encourage you to check out Charlotte and Cobble Small Animal Rescue's Facebook page on your own to see the incredible work that they're doing today. They they posted a picture of another dog that they rescued who was covered in mange. Um, but who is now starting to feel good and be well fed and be happy. And, and this, of course, is the kind of thing that we see. And we think to ourselves, this, this is what we do it for. This is why we are involved in, in animal rescue. Those of us who are, and even those of us who are not involved in animal rescue, this, we look at stories like this and they just make us feel good because we love animals and we love to see animals happy. And I, I was going to say on that note, but I don't really have a segue here. So I'm just going to kind of launch pell-mell haphazardly into the next part of this podcast. Um, but to to thank, I, I guess, actually, the, the connection I would make is to, to along the lines of support. You know, we we have actually been able to raise thousands and thousands of dollars, both for Nowzad and for Cobble Small Animal Rescue. And in part, in large part, that is because of all the support that that I receive on Patreon from my monthly Patreon supporters, um, who, again, who enable me to write my books and to produce this podcast and social media content independently of both traditional publishers and corporate sponsorship. And again, to to research these kind of causes and, and to find ways for us to do our part and to help out. And, and none of, of what I do would be possible without the support of my Patreon community. And I should say, you know, it's not just a like group of people who give me money. It is a community and there is uh, we, we have fun. There's fun content that I post on Patreon that that only gets posted on Patreon. There are different levels to support and, and membership on Patreon. And so the content that you get depends on the level at which you join. But uh, there are some things that, that everybody gets. And I like to think that some of the really fun stuff, some of the most fun stuff are, are things that that basically everybody who supports me and hangs out with me on Patreon gets. And uh, and the most popular seems to be I, I've been publishing a series of photos, old pictures of Homer 
that I've never published anywhere else. They have not been in a book. They've not been on social media. Um, some of them are, are photos that, that are cute, but maybe don't, uh, don't look sort of finished or composed enough to actually go on social media or into a book. Just, you know, like the kind of family photos that you look at and they're sweet and they're goofy, but you wouldn't, if you were going to publish a book about your family, they're not the pictures that would make it in. Some of them are pictures that I just loved so much. I, I selfishly never wanted to share them with anybody. Uh, but I've been trickling them out actually on Patreon because it, it's comparatively speak, speaking a small audience there. You know, there's about uh, 130 of us on Patreon right now, as opposed to, you know, the thousands of people on, on Facebook or on Instagram. And, uh, and, and people seem to be enjoying these old, old family photos of Homer. And if you join today, if you, if you start hanging out with me on Patreon today, you can see everything I've published already, as well as getting access to everything I start publishing going forward. And so I encourage you to check it out. Patreon.com, and that's P is in Peter, A, T is in Thomas, R is in Robert, E, O, N is in Nancy, dot com slash Gwen Cooper. And real quick, I'm going to give a shout out to a small handful of my Patreon supporters. Um, this is everybody who supports me at the, the $5 a month level or higher. And again, it's it's too many people for me to just sit and read all of their names at once. So I read a small number every week. And then by the end of the month, everybody has been named at least once. And so I'm going to just read off a few more names today. If you don't hear your name today and you did not hear your name last week, then you will, or, or the week before, then you will definitely hear it next week. Um, first, I'd like to give a big welcome to Julie Lowe, who has just joined. And thanks so much, Julie. I, I look forward to hanging out with you and spending more time with you and sharing fun content with you. And I also want to thank Zoe Shino. Rana Miller Owen, L. Shannon Carter, Wendy Lynch, Calvin and Eileen Kaiser, Aldana Bermontas, Heather Hanbrick, Stephanie Peters, Margaret Ald Louie, Kathy Schlichternlein, Angela Carter, Amy Neal, Debbie Bradley, Jill Graves, Emily Stafford, Meg Last Name Withheld, Nancy Ross, Cynthia Erdley, and Ken. Kistner. And again, I literally could not do what I do if you guys did not help me do it. So thank you so, so much. And and I look forward, I'm going to be dropping, actually, I'm, I'm going to keeping it a little secret, but I'm going to be dropping some really fun stuff on Patreon this week. So all of you who hang out with me there, keep your eyes peeled. And now I'm going to take a brief break for about 30 seconds or so. And when I come back, I will be answering this week's reader reader question from reader Jessica Wasserman. So I encourage all of you to sit back, get comfortable, and stick around for more Curl Up With a Cocktail. much for sticking around. Uh, this week's reader question, as I said before the break, comes from Jessica Wasserman. And Jessica, 
after saying that that I seem like a really patient person, which I, I find to be as adorable as it is misguided, um, wants to know if I have ever gotten really angry at one or all of my cats. And there's actually a reason why I specifically wanted to answer this question this weekend. And so thank you, Jessica, for giving me the opening. Uh, so the first answer to that question is yes, absolutely. Um, you, you know, I, I, look, you live with anybody, you're in any relationship over a long enough period of time, right? I've been living with cats since 1995 was when I adopted my first cat. And that is, good Lord, 26 years ago, which is more than half my life and, and certainly well more the I mean, the, the majority of my adult life, I guess. And yeah, of course, uh, there have been times where I've gotten really angry and, and you know, sometimes it's it's something like a, a misplaced claw and a favorite sweater or or something of that nature or a, a cat who mischievously knocks some particularly prized possession off of a mantelpiece or shelf. And Clayton, I am looking at you. Uh, because Clayton is, you know, I know it's such a cat thing to knock things off of shelves and tables. And Homer used to do it sometimes, but he didn't do it necessarily a lot, I think mostly because he didn't necessarily see things that were on shelves or, or other surfaces that he might want to knock over. But Clayton loves knocking things off of shelves or tables or the couch or really anything. And he especially loves doing it when he feels he's not getting enough attention, which is pretty much any second in which I am not actually looking at and talking to him. Clayton is of the opinion that anything I do that is not paying attention to him is an inappropriate waste of my time and needs to be redressed, um, preferably by knocking something off of a shelf or table and thus getting my attention. So I have learned over the years to keep things that I love out of the reach of mischievous little paws. But of course, every so often you one forgets or leaves a sandwich unattended or or something of that nature and wackiness ensues. Uh, but there is one specific incident that I wanted to to talk about uh, when I got when when Homer and I got very angry at each other, and this was something it happened after Homer's Odyssey had already been published. Those of you who have read My Life in a Cat House and who have read it all the way to the end may recognize this story uh, because I wrote about it in in the final chapter of My Life in a Cat House in in the chapter called uh, The Worm Has Turned. And so this was after, this was a, a few months after we, or, or a few weeks actually, after we lost Vashti. And I, I realize now, you know, Lawrence and I were, were, were grief stricken after we lost Vashti. It was a very, very difficult loss. And, you know, and I've, every, every loss of, of each one of the cats that I've lost so far, they've all been equally hard, but in different ways. And and that makes sense, right? Because you really do have different relationships with each of your cats and, and they mean something different to you. And so with Vashti, in addition to all of the wonderful qualities that made Vashti Vashti was the fact that that she was the first one of my cats who I lost. She she was the first animal companion of my adulthood who I lost. She was the first animal who I had adopted myself. You know, I grew up in a family with rescue animals, um, but Vashti was the first of my grown-up 
rescue animals, let's say, the ones who, when I moved out of my family house, who I adopted on my own. So that, in some ways, made the loss harder than it would have otherwise been, although with something so difficult, it's it's, it's hard to, to make that kind of assessment. But anyway, Vashti was a very gentle and very loving soul. And Vashti, in her own quiet way, and and it wasn't something that I had really thought too much about at the time, but Vashti in a lot of ways was was the glue that held our little family together. Um, she was certainly – she fell in love with Lawrence and Lawrence fell in love with her. And, and because the two of them fell in love, that was how Lawrence, who had not been a cat person when we first met and was not sure that he wanted to live with three cats – but who became entirely one, not only one over, I mean, it, not even just reconciled. You know, I, I think some people read the book and they have this idea that Lawrence reluctantly agreed to live, to let my three cats live with us, but but he did not have any kind of relationship with them. And And I have to maybe chalk that up to my failings as a writer, because that is most certainly not the case. You know, Lawrence and Vashti really fell in love with each other. And it was a really special thing to get to witness. And it was so specific between the two of them. And really just a, just a beautiful thing to see. And, and that someone brought Vashti so much joy in that last third of her life, those last few years, uh, still means the world to me. And so Vashti was definitely the one who connected Lawrence to the cats in our house and who really Lawrence finally under, it wasn't just something he accepted because he loved me. He finally, he came to understand how you can just love one of these furry little creatures with your whole entire being, with your whole soul, your whole heart that, that you just love these animals. Um, and, and so Vashti definitely made Lawrence and, and, and me stronger. You know, he, he made the two of us stronger as a couple because of that relationship that she had with them. But Vashti was also the glue between Homer and Scarlet. Uh, those of you who read Homer's Odyssey know that Scarlet did not really care for Homer. Homer really thought that he and Scarlet were best friends. Um, Scarlet did not think that at all. And and there was a lot of humor value in that. There were definitely some some veins of, of comedy to be mined in that relationship. But Scarlet got mad at Homer a lot of times. I mean, genuinely upset. And there had never been any actual violence or anything. Um, But it was, I think, and I never really realized it until Vashti was gone, but in part because Vashti was there as a buffer between the two of them. Um, Vashti was willing to play with Homer and, and Homer didn't think Vashti was as much fun because she didn't give him as hard a time as Scarlet did. But when Scarlet was really getting irritated, Vashti would kind of insert herself into the proceedings and and diffuse the tension. And so Homer had someone to play with and Scarlet also had someone to play with. And the two of them had this like very obliging playmate to, to release a lot of their energy with. And then suddenly Vashti was not there. And we kind of all had to learn how to relate to each other in new ways. And it, it really, you know, to the point that that a lot of us make a lot of the time that these cats really are members of our family, you know, a family dynamic really changes, right? When you lose one of the members, whether it's because they move out or or because they die. And the point being that, I, and I wrote about this in the book, I, I came home one day 
and Homer and Scarlet were fighting. I mean, they were rolling around on the floor. It was a real fight. It, it was kind of scary. I was really afraid that that they were going to hurt each other if they had not hurt each other already. And I screamed at them, which was probably not the smartest thing to do, but it did no good. I threw, I, I went into the kitchen, I got a big glass of water and threw it on them and it did nothing. Uh, you know, just this really vicious looking fight. And, and I was I was mad already because, you know, when you get so scared that it makes you angry. So I was already really mad. And I was pretty sure that Homer was the one who had started the fight because at the end of the day, Scarlet didn't like Homer, but Scarlet always tried to get away from Homer. Scarlet, you know, was one of those cats who she puts on the big show with the snarling and the swiping, but she would always, when it came to fight or flight, she would always flee. She she would always run and hide, whereas Homer was a fighter. Um, and anyone who's read deep enough in, into the Homer Chronicles and and about the the uh, the hell that Homer raised in his final years at, at his animal hospital uh, will will know that that is true. I always used to say Homer was like the Joe Pesci of cats, you know, because he was so little. Uh, but uh, he didn't care how much littler he was than everybody else. He was always ready to fight to the death. And uh, and so here the two of them were fighting and I was really sure I, I have no way of proving it to this day. I can't prove it, but I remain confident that it was Homer ultimately who instigated the fight. And uh, they would not separate and I yelled at them and they wouldn't separate and I threw water on them and, and they would not separate. And so finally, I, I did what on one hand is probably the dumbest thing I've ever done. But on the other hand, I, I still, again, remain confident to this day that it was the only thing that was going to break the fight up. And that was I reached my hand in there to pull Homer off of Scarlet. And, you know, it, it's it's if I used to be I, many years ago, I was a bartender and I didn't work at any particularly dicey bars. But, you know, you always have an understanding that the bouncers used to understand, right, if you're going to get into the middle of a bar fight, if, if two patrons are fighting and you're going to go in and break that up. Chances are pretty good that you're going to catch a punch yourself. I mean, you just have to be willing to accept that risk as a bouncer. And I make that analogy because, of course, I I kind of knew when I was reaching my hand in there that I, I was unlikely that I myself would remain uninjured. And so I, I did manage to grab Homer by the scruff of his neck and I pulled him off of Scarlet and Homer, that little so-and-so, um, turned his head around and bit my hand. And I don't mean he nipped at it. I mean, he bit. He bit me hard. He bit me down to the nerve. It, it was this white hot pain just shooting up my arm. Um, I, and we were, at this point, we were enraged with each other. I, I, I yelled obscenities. I'm not going to repeat them now, but they, they were pretty loud and obscene and, and kind of fell to my knees. Releasing Homer, who hissed and hissed at me. I mean, Homer hissed at me and then ran down the hall to hide under the bed. Very much like, like a teenager. You're like, you're not my real mom. <laughs> and then ran down the hall to, to slam the door to, to his bedroom door. Um, and and I, I mean, I ended up in the emergency room. I had to get a tetanus shot. You know, my hand swelled up to like the size of a catcher's mitt. And I had to get a tetanus shot and, and take some antibiotics. and. Um, I spent like five hours in the emergency room because, of course, when you come to the emergency room in, in Manhattan, you know, New York City, because your cat has bitten you, you are standing, fairly enough, way back in line behind everybody who's been shot or stabbed or 
you know, hit by a car or, or a pedicab or, or something like that. And, uh, you know, my cat bit me is not in, in the world of ER triage is, is not the mo among the more serious things that, that you can be in the hospital for, um, at least not usually. Anyway, so, uh, you know, I, I had five hours in the emergency room and, and I was eventually treated and released. And, and so Homer and I, you know, by the time I came out, I was not angry with Homer anymore. I, but I will say that in that moment, even before he bit me, I mean, obviously when he bit me, that, that was its own whole thing. But in the moment before he bit me, he and I were really angry at, each other. And again, part of the reason I was angry at Homer was because he, I thought he was hurting Scarlet and because he had started this big fight that had scared me. And when you get scared, you get angry. But I also, I, I think that, that my anger was part of, of my grief for Vashti. And I, I had this sense of, I am in so much pain already. Why are you making things harder for me? Um, and of course, the truth of the matter was that we were all feeling this pain. Whatever was going on with Scarlett and Homer, I, I very much believe it was them. However, not, you know, not do however, not well they were doing it, trying to work through their own grief for Vashti. Uh, and, and I, it's something I've written a couple of times and I will say it again, that that grief has a way of making us selfish and we forget that there are others who share our grief and so we we sometimes don't do a, a good enough job in our own grief of of reaching out to those around us who need it and who could also help us right the the truth is when i finally got back home i i was i you know the i began dealing paying more attention to homer and to scarlet and to me to what they might need to get through their own grief and and not just thinking about my own and and i think that was when we all began to heal. Certainly I began to heal physically, but but that was when we all began to heal emotionally. The reason why I'm glad to answer this question now, and thank you, Jessica, for sending it in, is because I, I heard recently from a reader um, whose name I will not mention. I will protect her privacy. Um, let, let's call her Jane. And Jane wrote to me to let me know that that her cat is dying. And she wanted to know, you know, she she was was finding the pain of this is finding the pain of this very difficult to deal with, and wanted to know how I was able to handle it after Homer died. And of course, there there are a lot of answers to that question. One of the one of the most obvious is I don't know that there is any handling it. You know, it really, it's just something you have to work through. It's it's not that it stops hurting. It's just that one day you find you can live with the pain. The pain has just become so, so much a part of who you are. And, and I know that that sounds terrible, but it's actually not um, because the, the pain of the loss is also the thing that reminds you of, of how much what you lost meant to you. You know, that, that that's what that pain is. It's the reminder of how lucky you were to have loved and to have been loved the way that, that you were. And I think most of us would agree with the statement that we would not, even for the sake of not feeling the grief that we feel, we would not give up the time that we spent with these animals that we love. Um, but Jane was in particular distress, you know, but the other answer, of course, I said, is that you you work through it. Hopefully you have friends and family 
even if they're not sharing your grief, even if your friends and your family did not love your cat the way you love your cat, uh, that they are there to help you through your grief. And and it was very distressing for me uh, when Jane responded that she has no living family. Um, she doesn't really have close friends. She had a fiance who died and she adopted her her cat from a shelter very soon after her fiance died. And, and so she felt like her fiance had sent this cat to her. Again, I, I think that's a feeling that many of us relate to. Um, and, and that, of course, that, that is, is difficult, you know, feeling the only thing worse than grief, I, I think, is feeling like you are alone in your grief or, or feeling like you are alone in general. And, uh, you know, Jane, I, I, I would first say that I think a lot more people than you realize feel that way. Uh, I, I, I think sometimes it would surprise people to find out among the people you know, how many of them feel lonely. I, I know that I myself at, at various times in my life have felt so lonely that that it was a genuine crushing kind of soul sickness. And and I don't even mean like like a long time ago when I was in high school. I mean, you know, in my life in the last five years. And this is having, you know, 800,000 plus people who follow Homer on social media and and thousands of, of people who've read my book and, and who I know consider me to be a friend because of it and hang out with me on my personal Facebook page. And it is still, it is possible in the midst of literal thousands to feel so alone. And and I live with a, a wonderful husband and, and two amazing cats. And there are times when I feel so lonely that I I'm not sure I will have it within myself to to go on for another day. Um, I think something we you know that got lost in the shuffle during the the, the fights over lockdown a year ago. You know, not everybody who was in favor of the lockdowns supported them because of the political candidates they support, or because they didn't care about small business people or the economic impact. Um, there were people who were afraid of losing people who they love and depend on and without whom they would be rudderless and and wanted everyone to stay home and be safe. And I think it is equally easy to forget that not everybody who opposed the shutdown, the, the lockdowns, the quarantining, did so because of the political candidates they supported or because they didn't care how many people died as long as their business got to make money. You know, they they were there were a lot of people who ended up quarantining alone, who live alone to begin with, and and now were really have been really isolated for the past, you know, coming up on two years. Um, and I, I think it bears, you know, it, it always bears mentioning that not everyone who disagrees with you on politics is is an evil Satan worshiping monster who deserves as much scorn as you can heap upon them. And we are all just trying to live our lives, man. We are all just trying to get through the day. Um, but by the same token... I, I, you know, so I want to say that there is, uh, you know, no one answer to the question of loneliness, and there is certainly no one answer to the question of grief. Uh, but Jane, I, I will say, in in reaching out to you, is as as you struggle with with a cat who is not well and and who soon will not be with you, um, 
there are there are always outlets there you know you 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 do have to make the effort right it, it, you can get to feel so lonely and so sad and grief has a way of 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 making us internalize a lot of things and it can be very difficult to just walk out of your house or to reach out to people you don't know very well or to reach out to anybody outside of your own little orbit um you tell me that you adopted that this cat who you love from a shelter my guess is knowing what I know of of all of the of all of the rescue organizations, and this goes for animals and for the human rescue organizations that I have known and worked with over the years, I can pretty much guarantee you that somewhere out there there is an organization that does something that you think is important or worthwhile that would be desperately glad of any kind of assistance that you could offer them. And I am not saying that, you you know, I'm not saying assuage your grief by getting a job or by taking on a lot of free unpaid work. Um, but it is one way to reach out. And there may, you know, you, you may find uh, volunteer work is not for everybody. But by the same token, it you know, volunteering for an organization is not just about putting soup into bowls in a, in a homeless shelter or scooping out litter boxes at an animal shelter. Um, there are other ways to support those organizations. There are other organizations that need support. And it it may not be the thing that you had in mind, but I, I can pretty much guarantee you that any nonprofit organization, large or small, can come up with plenty of things to do to, to fill your days. And if that is something that you want to do, um, you know, there are also other things that there are, especially now, there are just so many ways to to take classes or to engage in activities based on your interests and to do so online via Zoom. You know, we're all still kind of of quarantining a little bit, um, some of us more so than others as as we grapple with the Delta variant and, and try to figure out when this whole COVID nightmare is going to be behind us once and for all. But, that, you know, so there are, it is really just a question, right, of looking for things outside of your home and outside of your usual orbit or frame of reference and and whether or not you make any lifelong friends who you can open your heart to, that, of course, it depends so much on happenstance and, and it is a rare thing to find that kind of love or that kind of friend or the kind of love that you that you find with an animal with whom you are particularly close. But it is just one way, you know, by the same token there, it can be a tremendous blessing to just have something to think about other than yourself or your own pain or your own problems. And so that is something that, that I always like to to recommend um, and I think you might find that, that there are more people out there than you realize who are also doing this kind of work or, or this kind of volunteering because they also have full hearts that, that maybe don't have as many outlets as, as they would like. I think we probably all are, are, most of us listening to this, right, are of an age where we had a grandmother who had some version of the saying that that idle hands are the devil's playground. My, my grandmother did not put it exactly that way, but she would always, you know, remind me that, that God gave me two arms and two legs and how grateful I, I should be. And, and her point, of course, was, I mean, that and, and God helps those who help themselves was, was something my grandmother was very fond of saying. And the, the point of both of those is to say that 
even in our our greatest depths of despair, when when we feel so oppressed by loss and by loneliness that that we feel like we actually cannot do, we literally cannot do anything. Um, there's actually still a great deal that we can do. And I also, you know, maybe foolishly, but I I really I really do believe that one of the truest paths to to happiness in this life is helping others. And and part of that is realizing that your own problems are maybe not as bad as you thought they were. But there is also the genuine joy and satisfaction in in knowing that you have made somebody else's life a little bit better. And that, I am guessing, is probably why you adopted a rescue cat in the first place. And you may not be ready to adopt another rescue cat immediately, but helping other cats, being a part of a process that helps other cats find homes with other people who who need more joy in their lives, um, I, I think makes you part of a really virtuous cycle that that does ultimately bring its own rewards. And I'm I'm glad that I'm saying all this because I, I promise you at some point I'm going to have to play this back to remind myself that that I said all these things and and to kind of kick myself in in the hindquarters a little bit when I need it uh when when I am feeling down. And so thank you all of you for listening and and thank you to Jessica Wasserman for having submitted this week's question and thank you to Jane uh, for for writing to me and for having adopted a rescue cat in the first place and and for all the love that you are giving this cat. Um, in her final days. And I know that the hearts of of everyone listening now are with you because we we all do really know how very difficult this is, what you are facing and and how brave you are to continue to love and provide such such loving care for your cat in the face of all of this. And that brings us to the end of another episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tale. So thank you so much to everybody for listening. And for those of you who have actually listened all the way to the end, I appreciate that. And I applaud you for your perseverance. And I look forward to seeing you again next week for an all new episode. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tale with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline-loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today.